So for the last two weeks, we've tried, I've tried my best to lay the groundwork of understanding who the Holy Spirit is, when and how we receive the Holy Spirit, and we've dug into part of what the Holy Spirit's role is. So we're going to keep building on this today. If the Holy Spirit and the Bible are key components to us keeping what aligned with God? Our moral compass. Can someone besides my son say that? Moral compass. Thank you, son. Proud of you. We're, our goal is we have a moral compass. We want to keep pointing to God. The Holy Spirit and the Bible are part of that. We've got to understand this. We've got to understand how the Bible lays out the Holy Spirit, not the ex extremes we've been taught by man. And we've spent two weeks kind of laying out both extremes. How, and we talked about some things are right and some things are wrong or incomplete. Extreme one, anybody remember extreme one? I got, yeah, no more Holy Spirit. Thank you. I got what I needed when I got saved. It was just for the day of Pentecost. It was just for Jesus to prove his power with his miracles. That's not for today. We proved that one wrong. We're going to talk more about that today. Speaking in tongues, not for today. That's first century church only. That's extreme one, and it's incomplete. There are some true things in it, but it's incomplete. Extreme two, anybody remember that? <laughs> Holy rollers, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Once again, something's correct, but very incomplete. And then, we, week one, we had this third option evolve, that many of us simply aren't taught anything. That's awesome. The more I thought about that, the more I realized it's a blank slate. Because it's hard to reteach you out of extreme one. It's hard to reteach you out of extreme two. If you got a blank slate, hallelujah, we just move forward. And I'm going to ask you a question. Why do you think this is important to us? Why is it important that we get this? Because our society has gone nuts. That's why. You want proof of it? You want proof that our society has gone completely nuts? Because I heard some numbers this week that are going to blow your mind. Two areas that are probably two of the most talked about issues in our society right now are homosexuality, or LBGTQ plus nine or four, whatever, they just keep adding to it, and transgender. Okay? And I want you to understand transgender would be a subset, so that first number is always going to be bigger than that second number. But if you were just hearing the media... If you were just looking at social media, what people talk about, I want to hear some numbers. How much of our U.S. population would you think is part of the LBGTQ plus community? What I hear? What somebody? I heard two. Parker said 50. I got to get him off the news. What, McCall? Eight. Don, what'd you say? Ten? One-fourth, he said. Twenty-five percent. Okay, hold on to that. Next question. Same question, different area. If you just listen to the media, social media, just listen to our society, how much of our population do you think is transgender? Too much. So there was a study that came out this week. 
The survey of the average United States citizen said they believe that 30% of our population is part of LBGQ2 plus 90, whatever it is. I'm not trying to be heartless. I'm just don't, I can't keep up with all the letters. 30% is what the survey said, and then they said 21% would be transgender. So remember those numbers, 30 and 21, okay? I asked a lady that we were eating lunch with on Friday because this is just normal lunch discussions for us. <laughs> I asked her what she thought, and this is a lady that's well-grounded in Scripture. She said she doesn't even watch the news, but she can't stay away from social media. She said 75% and 50%. You want to know what the real numbers are? 3% and 1%. What's this got to do with us? What's this got to do with the Holy Spirit discussion? What's this got to do with being a Christian? I'm glad you asked that question. Because I've given you two examples over the past two months where two denominations have opened their doors for this and willingly accepted things that go against Scripture. Not only allowed, but welcomed. Do you guys remember we talked about a pastor who dressed in drag in Chicago to lead children's church, to teach them how to be inclusive of 1% of our population? Last week we talked about an entire denomination openly accepting homosexuality is okay, even at the level of being a pastor. That means millions of Christians, two whole denominations, and guess what, there's more. But I'm just picking on two. There's two entire denominations that have openly accepted this and allowed 3% and 1% respectively of our population to influence and pull their moral compass off of Scripture. And that's scary. That is very scary. Because what happens? What happens when these numbers grow to the 50 and 75% range or the 30 or the 25% range? Not only that, our president on Thursday, our president of our country, and our country was built on the Bible as its moral compass, or so they say, right? Right? Our president declares March 31st as Transgender Day of Visibility, and he said, we see you. We're here for you. We support you. It's our president of our nation. Do you guys realize that he's the same president that took prayer out? But now we're going to recognize 1% of our population. Disney. Anybody hear about Disney this week? Your parents need to pay attention. Because if you ain't heard this, you need to know. The president of Disney said she wants more Disney characters to be LGBTQ+. And she wants up to 50% of the new characters to be LGBTQ+, or racial minorities. I'm all for the racial minorities. All for that. There needs to be diversity in that respect for our children watching cartoons. But why? Why does there need to be this agenda? Guess what? Disney has an upcoming movie. It's a spinoff of Toy Story called Lightyear where they'll have their first same-sex kiss. See, I remember a time when you set your kid in front of a Disney movie or, or TV show because it was safe and it's just what you did so you could go do chores and you didn't worry about it. 
But our needle of our society has moved at such a rapid pace that this will be in every one of our households within a year. But I'm just a curmudgeon. I'm just a, you know, <laughs> I just don't understand. I just don't have the heart. No, I love those people. I want to find out what hurt they've been through to be led to that lifestyle. That's a whole different discussion for another day. But my point is the needle of our society is, moved at su- is moving at such a rapid pace that you won't be allowed to watch, allow your children just to sit and watch Disney now without agendas. What pushed Disney to do this? Because Florida said, we're going to pass a bill that says you can't teach about sex to my third grade, kindergarten through third grade. And this blows my mind almost as much as anything I've said so far. This week alone, many teachers in the state of Florida have walked off the job because they can't teach sex to that age group. Think about it. It's making the teachers mad. That's where we are in our society. When my son, who is 12, was going into the third grade, I had a concern he might hear about those things, so I had a discussion with him. But see, I'm the parent. I have that right to. The teacher has no right to. What's the agenda? My point is, I'm not up here to talk about these agendas. I'm talking about why we got to understand the Holy Spirit. If we don't understand the Holy Spirit and stay rooted with our moral compass, then if 3 or 1% can totally change how we do church, pull us away from Scripture, it's going to get brutal when that number grows. And there's so many other areas they're pulling off our moral compass. So last week we discussed in detail how to receive the Holy Spirit. But now that we understand when you receive the Holy Spirit, which is a major focus, I want to jump deeper into how the Holy Spirit should show up in our lives. When you believe, you get the advocate. You get the defense lawyer that goes before God to defend you against the accuser, Satan. You get comfort. You get peace. You get conviction when you sin. You get teaching. But there is more. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get more power. And we talked last week about a gray area. There might be some, something significant that happens when you're water baptized. I compared it to you get a little, then you get another dose, and then you get a truckload. And that's the power that's available to us that I want. We began discussions of speaking in tongues. We talked about extreme two is correct, that speaking in tongues does show evidence of the Holy Spirit, but it's incorrect to say that you don't have the Holy Spirit if you don't speak in tongues. Extreme one is correct that they got all they needed at salvation, the Holy Spirit, but incorrect in saying that there's not more available to us, more power. And I made the statement that speaking in tongues is not evidence of the Holy Spirit. It's evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, how much do we want? If the Spirit's presence is, if, if the Spirit is present here today, do you want it? Or do you want me to shut up so you can go eat? Because some of us in this room don't want more. And we've got to get hungry. The world is collapsing around us, and we have a power that we say, I don't want, I don't need it, it's too crazy, it's weird. I don't get it. There's more power, why don't we want it? We want more of everything that's bad for us. Why don't we want more of what's good? I don't know if it's apparent or not, but I want more. And if you don't want yours, I'll take it. 
We introduced that there's different types of examples of speaking in tongues. One is a clear prayer. It's clear to be a prayer language between you and God only. You don't know what you're saying, but the Holy Spirit is speaking on your behalf to God. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul says, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. He didn't say, those of you who happen to be able to speak in tongues, pray in the Spirit. It was, a, it was a direction to everyone. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. We talked about Romans 8.26 last week, and it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So last week we did a little exercise, and I'm going to do it again because some of y'all weren't here. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think of the worst thing that's happened to you this week. And I know your lives. There have been some bad things that have happened this week. And I want you to out loud groan to the Lord. Just, ah, come on. Ah. You just prayed in the Spirit. You just took your groanings to the Lord. I don't know what you said. You don't know what you said. But does it not feel better sometimes when you're frustrated just to go, ah? Do you ever do that? You're taking your groanings to the Lord. Do you ever feel better after you do that? Okay. So if you never prayed in tongues before, you kind of just did. And if you were here last week, you kind of just did it twice. There's so much more, though. If you still got your eyes closed, open them. Don't go to sleep. Last week, I'm sorry, we covered Scripture for two weeks that says when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they began speaking in tongues. And that's how people like Peter knew the Gentiles had received Jesus. If they saw this outflowing of the Holy Spirit coming out in tongues, that's how he knew, hey, they received Jesus as well. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. Now Paul tells us that we need to pray in the Spirit at all times. It helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. Anybody in here sometimes don't pray because I don't know what to pray for. I don't even know what to pray for. Will you pray? I don't even know what to pray for. Anybody ever feel that way? Am I the only one? Paul says you don't know what you're praying for, but do it. Because the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf. When you don't know what to say, it's powerful. It's available to you. And I'm going to call this praying in the Spirit, okay? Let's get that nomenclature down. This is one version of speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit. And I'm going to differentiate that from receiving a spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, okay? We're going to go to Scripture on this. Before we dive into that, though, I want to go ahead and knock out the third one we mentioned last week. We have another example of when the Holy Spirit supernaturally turns our language into someone else's language. It happened at Pentecost. The Jews, they come in from all these different areas. They spoke different languages, and the disciples were given a supernatural ability to speak their language. And I hear of that happening all the time with missionaries. We all, if we go on a mission trip, the most important thing you can take with you is a translator. What happens when your translator doesn't show up? Will you have the faith to keep talking to them and let the Holy Spirit change the language? Because these people report, I just said it in English, in my native language, and they shook their heads like they were listening. And then they understood. 
and they started praising the Lord with me. So we got this prayer language that we take the things that we don't even understand, that we don't even know what to pray, our groanings, our weaknesses, and we take that to God through a prayer language. And Paul says, do it all the time. And then we got this other thing where maybe the Holy Spirit's going to use you when you can't speak the language of someone else for them to understand what you're saying because you're talking about the Lord. But now let's dig into this spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. When it's discussed as a spiritual gift, that's when the Holy Spirit has a message to give the church. So when we pray in the Spirit, you're taking your weakness, your problem to God. It's for you. When you have a gift of speaking in tongues that's done in the church environment, you are taking a message to the church. Do you get the difference? It's very simple. I got something to take to God. I got something God wants to give to the church. Okay, everybody with me? But to dig into this, we've got to spend some time in 1 Corinthians, and I've got to go back a little bit before he talks about this because we've got to understand who Paul was talking to in Corinth. Guess what? Corinth was kind of like America. It was a pretty corrupt city. A lot of sexual sin. A lot of problems. Maybe we call them heathens. Even in the church. In 1 Corinthians, he talks about divisions in their church. Anybody seen any divisions in our churches in America or at ours? Happens. He condemned them for sexual immorality that they're bragging about in church. They're bragging about it. In 1 Corinthians 5, he starts out with, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, and you're proud of it. See, what we're experiencing right now with this 3 and 1% is not new. It's always been there. It's one of Satan's tools to influence and pull people away from their moral compass. Okay? He instructs a lot on sexual sin. He, in, he talks a lot about what marriage is, what idolatry is, and how to stay away. He talks about how to worship. He talks about people getting drunk and not doing that. He talks about a lot of things, but he has corrected them a lot before he gets to the point of talking about spiritual gifts. So I think it's safe to say that the church in Corinth, not just the people in Corinth, but the church, his moral compass was off a little bit. So he's spending some time resetting them back to what God wants. Now we pick up in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to warn you, today's scripture heavy. So let your growling stomachs keep you awake. Or the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But here's where he gets into it. Verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Did Paul say you are the source of it? Or did he say the Spirit's the source of it? Okay, we have to get that straight on the front end. He says, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Who gets it? Each of us. This would be a time to go, thank you, Lord. 
spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. See, praying in the Spirit is to help you. A spiritual gift is to help those around you. Can we get that clear? Like, that is a basis for going forward. He says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. We would call that wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit or God from a, or from another spirit. Oh my gosh, you mean there could be another spirit imitating the Holy Spirit. We need to pay attention. This is a big deal. There is a fake Holy Spirit in churches all over the place. All over the place. And I can give you hundreds of examples. It's been in here. And it's hard to recognize. This is why it's important that we understand the power that we have and that we understand people's spiritual gifts so that someone hopefully has that spiritual gift to discern is that the Holy Spirit or not. I'm so thankful my wife has that gift and others in here have that gift. I'm thankful, but sometimes I'm hard-headed in listening to her. That's a fact. She's not here to say that, so I thought I would say it. He gives one person... Let's go... Lost my place here. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. That's our speaking in tongues. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So he says somebody's going to have the ability to speak in tongues. But remember, a gift is to help others. If I speak in tongues to you, you can't understand what I'm saying to God. So if I'm doing it to help you, there needs to be an interpreter so you know what God just said to you. Does that make sense? Praying in the Spirit. I don't need to know what is being said because the Holy Spirit's interceding for me. Speaking with the gift of tongues, there needs to be someone to interpret because the body is to be encouraged. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So I hate to tell you guys, but we have no input. Zero. We can ask, and we're told to ask for the gifts, But we don't have any input. It's up to the Holy Spirit who gets it and when they get it. I happen to have the gift of healing. And guess what? Not every time that I call on God for that gift of healing does it work. Because that's up to Him. I'm supposed to be obedient and walk in the gift, but it's up to Him when it happens. So if i got to do it 20 times to get it one time, I'm going to do it 20 times faithfully to get it one time. And I'm not going to let doubt. And fear creep in when the other ones don't. Because it's not up to me, it's up to Him. And I'm telling you this because a lot of people that live over in extreme too think they're the ones in charge of manufacturing the Holy Spirit. And it's very, very dangerous. Paul is clear. He is very clear here. First of all, there are different spiritual gifts. Holy Spirit source of them all. That's one of the reasons I want as much as possible. I want to be dependent and reliant on the Holy Spirit and get as much as I can get. It's up to the Holy Spirit what we get, not up to us. This would be a good time to talk about a little side note of so many people see someone's gift. I see your gift and I want your gift. No, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to say, who am I? What is my unique gift? Quit trying to be like somebody beside you. I don't need to be Wendy who has discernment. I need to be Jason that has healing. She can discern if they want healing. I 
through the Holy Spirit's power, can have the gift of healing on them. Do you see the impact when we work together? Or I could get jealous that I don't have the discernment she has, or she could get jealous that she doesn't have the healing I have. We can't look at the person beside us and want what they have. But we have to realize that we are not the ones in control here, and we as humans don't like to give up control. The Holy Spirit is the one in control. Second, I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. Our spiritual gifts are given to help one another. Why would I have a spiritual gift? Thank you. To help you. Why would you have one to help me, to help others? And then third, Paul lays out specific spiritual gifts. Wisdom, special knowledge, faith, gift of healing, power to perform miracles, ability to prophesy, discernment. Again, discernment is is the message from the Holy Spirit or not. Ability to speak in tongues, ability to interpret. See, we focus so much on speaking in tongues when we talk about the Holy Spirit that we leave out all these other gifts that are talked about. And we can't talk about one without talking about all of them. So the source is the Holy Spirit. Our gifts are given to each of us. Each of us. Did you get that? If you don't feel worthy... Read this scripture. It says each of us. He didn't say some of us, a couple of us, the good ones. Each of us, if you believe, if you accept. And then the Holy, the Holy Spirit decides who gets what. You ever heard someone? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I've heard this a lot, and it's scary. Some, you ever heard someone say, I want to lay hands on you? Because I want to impart a gift onto you. If someone ever does that, slap their hand and run. The Holy Spirit gives, not a person. Now, if I say, I want to lay my hands on you, can I lay my hands on you? I baptize you in the name of the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. I just did what Scripture said. But if I walk up and say, I want to impart something onto you, thank you. He's a quick learner. He knocked my hand away. Get away from him. It's not scriptural. The Holy Spirit gives it, not a person. I had a guy come up to me, and this is going to act like I'm making fun of him, but he came up to me, and he had a twitch that was so bad he couldn't control it. And he's like, I have the ability to impart spiritual gifts on people. And I'm like, you got more demons than you can count, pal. Get your hand away from me. But then he got delivered from that. And it was radical. But Jesus turned that into an opportunity. So maybe don't run. Just stop and lay hands on them and pray. That's a whole different discussion, a whole different day. But if somebody comes up to you and says, I want to impart a spiritual gift onto you, it's a capital N-O-P-E. No, nope, not going to happen today ever. The Holy Spirit's the one giving the gift. If you want to lay hands on me and pray for the Holy Spirit to do something, come on, all day long. But if you want to lay hands on me and tell me you're going to impart something, hit the road, Jack. But if we go back to focusing on speaking in tongues, it's clear that there is a spiritual gift that some will get that others won't. This is where we start to differentiate a prayer language. Paul says, each of you pray in the Spirit often. You're one-on-one. Some of you will get a gift of praying in tongues to help the body. Do you see the difference that we've lumped into one? But scripturally, it's two different things. By the way, this is different than when the 
when it described the believers who received the Holy Spirit went away walking in tongues because they all did. All of them, not just some of them, all of them. Just like we got two different instances of receiving the Holy Spirit, two different things, these are two different things. And our problem is we lump it together, and then half of us say it doesn't exist, and then half of us say you don't have a Holy Spirit unless you have it. But Scripture describes two different things. Are we clear on that? Okay. Paul goes on in chapter 12 to describe why each person is given a different gift. He compares it to a physical body. We have one body, but it's made up of a bunch of different parts. Doesn't it make sense to you that you don't need to have 17 ears and no toes? That makes sense to you, right? That's what he's describing. Not everybody needs to be the same. If you want a healthy, useful body, you all need different gifts. But many of us want exactly what another believer has. Same gifts, same talents. And Paul's saying the foot's no less part of the body than the hand. So we can't look at someone's gift and say they got a better gift. No, they have a different gift, and it takes all of our gifts to have power. You want the Holy Spirit's presence in this room? Then we all need to be figuring out what our gift is so we can work together and strengthen and help each other. Then we can be a powerful force to the outside world. He says, same with ear and eye. If your whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If everybody in here was a discerner, yeah, we would know if the Holy Spirit's here or a fake spirit, but we wouldn't be able to do anything else. So what good does it do? We need them all. And I want them all in our church. And he gets this interesting thing. Sometimes the smallest things on the body are the most powerful. Think about the word says you're Words have the power to bring life or death. What does that come from? One of the smallest organs on your body, your tongue. It's one of the most powerful things you have. Your little bitty ears, some of y'all has got some bigger than others, but your little bitty ears here have a huge purpose, right? What about your thumb? Doesn't that set you apart from like dogs and other mammals because you have a thumb that can grab things? The point is... We have some little small things that are very powerful and useful things. So quit comparing yourself to someone else's gifts and saying, I don't have what Wendy has or Jason has or Lonnie has or John Ray has or whoever. Ask God what you have and what he has for you. Paul says in verse 22, in fact, some of the parts of the body that seem the weakest and the least important are actually the most necessary i'm going to give you an example servants servants are often overlooked lisa she's the greatest servant i've ever met in my entire life and i thank god every day for the spiritual gift of serving that paul lists in here that she has she outworks three other servants she's important sorry to embarrass you she is important to the body of christ but sometimes we look at the servant and go, well, it's just a lowly servant. No, she has many other gifts too. But we got to get our arms around that sometimes the weakest and least important seeming are actually the most necessary. The church doesn't work without servants. The problem with our extremes that we laid out before, I'm just going to go ahead and go here. There's a lot of structure and control in extreme one. Not always, but often. And you guys who have been a part of it, you understand what I'm saying. And the preacher is the one that's going to tell you what your gifts are. 
And it's often based on where the need is in the church. You have a gift with children. I can see it on you. Oh, we need people over in the church ministry. That's dangerous because now the preacher is telling you what your gifts are to the Holy Spirit. Or we got this extreme, too, where there's this wild, unbridled Holy Spirit, and everybody wakes up every Sunday with a new gift they didn't have the day before, and they want to tell everybody and show them. Self-imposed, maybe they got imparted by another believer, and they end up doing damage, practicing or trying to practice a gift they don't have. Have you ever tried to practice a gift you don't have? It can do damage. So that's why we got to understand the balance here. I'm going to say, I believe you can pretend most of these gifts out of your own flesh and out of a fake Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to get into a couple of stories where someone can tell the future. And they're talking about Jesus, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. So rather, whether it's you manufacturing it yourself or a false spirit, Sometimes we can manufacture these gifts and we can pretend them. Remember, guys, Satan mimics everything God does. We've talked about that a lot. So, of course, the enemy is going to mimic a fake Holy Spirit because it will confuse you. It will make you ineffective. And that's why we need people that are discerners to be able to tell if that's a fake Holy Spirit or not. And, I, and I've told you guys before, I'm sometimes not guilty of listening. I'm trying to get better. The Holy Spirit's working on me on that. So here's one of the dangers of having an extreme. I'm going to give you an example, or if you grew up in an extreme. If you grew up in a home where there's abuse, you will typically psychologically seek out abuse. You will abuse the person, or you will seek out someone who abuses you. Same with parenting. If you got spanked as a kid, you're either going to spank or you're going to run the other way and time out it till they have no discipline. Okay? That's what we have to be careful with here. If I grew up in extreme one, I'm either going to go with that extreme all the time and be hard to be talked out of it, or I'm going to flip over here to extreme two. Vice versa, if I grew up in extreme two and I saw damage, I'm either going to stay with that, or I'm going to flip over to extreme one and control out the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? My tongue got tied a lot there. My point is, this is why it's crucial that we have to find middle ground. See, I grew up in extreme one, so when I got introduced to extreme two, I went all in with it, and I went a little too far with it. And I saw the damage. I was attracted to more power, but I was never taught this balance. I was never taught these scriptures. It was different, and I liked it. But we've got to stick with Scripture. Paul is clearly saying in 1 Corinthians 12 that we have different gifts, and it's going to take all those gifts to have a successful, healthy body. And he's telling us that each of us should be different. Part of the problem with extreme two that we really haven't talked about too much or we have a little bit this morning is that people try to see what someone else is doing and they mimic it. I see them speaking in the Spirit, so I'm going to speak in the Spirit so I look as holy as they do. I see them falling out on the floor, so I'm going to fall out beside them. And I've watched people do that. I've watched someone fall out, and that's between them and the Lord. If they got that kind of peace that they fell out, praise God. 
But then I watch people looking at them, and they go down too. Did they do it because the Holy Spirit did it, or did they do it because they were mimicking what they watched? We're going to dig a lot into that next week and what I hope and think is our final discussion on this. But we can't do that. We have to understand our gifts. Now, Paul takes a little break from gifts, and he spends all of 1 Corinthians 13 on love. And he starts off 1 Corinthians 13 with a statement, if I could do all these crazy gifts, if I could do speak all the uh, languages of earth and angels, but I don't love others, it would be a noisy gong. And he goes through these gifts, and he says, we got to make sure that we're loving people. And he defines what love is. So don't get so wrapped up in your gifts, you forget to love people is what he's saying. But then he says something. He says something that's very important. He says, love lasts forever, but the gifts given by the Holy Spirit will become useless when the time of perfection comes. This is verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 13. He's explained the gifts. He's explained we all have different gifts. And he makes sure that we understand that love is more important than the gifts. He says, love will last forever. Our gifts are only needed until the time of perfection, when Jesus comes back. So when someone, an extreme one, tries to tell you that these gifts don't exist anymore, point them to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10. Do we think the time of perfection has happened yet? Does our world look perfect? Until the time of perfection, these gifts are needed. That should squash that argument completely. It's very dangerous to say that the first century Christians were the only ones that needed these gifts. I'm trying to convince you these gifts are for us. You each have them, and we have to ask for them. We have to, we have to be like Chris Pray. We've got to be, I want to be desperate for them. So I'm going to add to all those things that we said at the beginning that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. We're building our list of what the Holy Spirit does. And i got one more quick place we're going to go before we end today. In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul keeps on giving, he keeps going on the explanations. He says, let love be your highest goal. We have to remember that. But you should also desire these gifts. That should be your desire. We're going to talk more next week about prophecy, but he says, we should all especially desire prophecy. So we get so wrapped up in this tongues discussion that we miss that Paul says, forget about tongues, you want prophecy. He says, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you only speak to God since people can't understand you, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages others, comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. See, Extreme 2 said you have to have the speak in tongues to show you have the Holy Spirit. I said it was evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit, not evidence of the Holy Spirit. But Paul's saying, forget about it. You should desire prophecy. It's way more important for the church body. And he says, I wish you all could speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. He says, if, you, if I come to you and I speak in an unknown language, how would it help you? But if I bring one of the other gifts, and he talks about all the other gifts, it would be helpful to you. Unless there's an interpretation of tongues. He 
says, since you're so eager to have the special ability the Spirit gives, seek those that strengthen the whole church. So I know this has been deep today. I know it's been a little long, and we're going to dig back into the end of this next week to finish this out. But praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit is for you. You might hear the word edification. It strengthens you. But asking the Holy Spirit for these other gifts Paul talks about is for us to help each other. So I want to encourage you, go home, groan in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. But then ask the Holy Spirit, what are my other gifts? What are the gifts you want to give me that no one else has that helps this body, that helps my family, that helps my workplace? This is bigger than your church. So we're going to pick up here next week. I'm going to pray this out this morning, and then I'm going to go ahead and bless the food because I've kept you long enough hungry. So, Father, thank you that your Holy Spirit is the source of our gifts. It's not us. Help us to get our arms around that, Father. And, Father, I ask that your Spirit would give each person who is begging you for a gift, that you would show them clearly what their gift is, that you would allow us to help them develop that gift. We can help each other develop. We can strengthen each other, encourage each other when we see the gift. But we rely on you, Holy Spirit, to impart the gift. So, Father, help us see the importance of praying in the Spirit, but the importance of asking for these other gifts. And help us to see that these gifts have not died away. They are still here for us because we haven't reached that day of perfection. And, Father, today, as we eat, help us to celebrate the McFarlands and their baby. Father, we thank you again for that life. Father, we thank you for their family. We thank you for the food you're going to give us to eat today, and we ask that you bless it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Go eat.